What does good shepherd mean? What does true shepherd mean? And we, we, we've heard that our whole life, no doubt. You've probably seen the paintings in Sunday school of Jesus holding a lamb. And we think that's, uh, you know, that's a beautiful picture, of course, but it's so much deeper than just that. It's a, it's a story of a God who loves us so much that he wants to redeem us. And that good shepherd is the one that does this redeeming. And as the church comes together today, let's look at John chapter 10. And, and I want us to, to listen to this account of Jesus speaking um, about who he is to these people. All through the book of John, Jesus declares who he is time and time and time again. In John chapter 10, starting with verse 1, Jesus says this. He says, truly, truly, which basically just means, listen up, folks. I'm about to tell you something really good. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, listen up people, (laughs) I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired and is not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and he scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your words. We see this clear declaration as to who your Son is. Lord, I pray today that as, as your sheep, Lord, as your very people, that Lord, we would follow you as we should. God, that we would be encouraged in our own walks and in our own lives, knowing that you are not just a shepherd, but you are the good shepherd. You are the true shepherd. Father, today, may your church rise up and live accordingly. God, would you call people to salvation today? 
May they leave this place today knowing who the good shepherd is. And we ask this in your most holy name. Amen. Looking at this story, there are basically three different figures that we see within this story, this allegory. Jesus is speaking to these religious folk and he, he kind of tells a story, you know. I'm the shepherd, I'm the door, right? There's false shepherds and then there's what? Everybody say, bah. <laughs> there's sheep. We, we've got these three different people within this story. You've got the good shepherd, the false shepherd, and the sheep. And when we're looking at this, we fall somewhere in that category, don't we? I'm not a good shepherd. I'm not even a bad shepherd. I'm just a sheep. I'm just a sheep. And Jesus is talking to these sheep that day, and they don't understand exactly what he's talking about. And, and, and they don't, they, maybe they want to interpret it differently even. Maybe his narrative does not fit their narrative. They were looking for a shepherd, sure. They were looking for Messiah, but he wasn't really lining up with everything they wanted. In church today, the most important thing that we can be doing as the church of God in this place today, the most important thing we can be doing is lining ourselves up, self up with this narrative of who Jesus is. That's the most important thing. We can come together and we can do church, or we can come together and we can bring glory to God. You see what I'm saying? It's way different. We're not here just to fill up you. We're not here just to make ourselves feel better. We are here to bring glory to the one who deserves it, the good shepherd. The Pharisees, you understand, they did not know exactly what Jesus was talking about here. And so if you notice there, I think it's in verse 7, he, you know, he's talking to them and they're just kind of like, duh, they don't know what's going on. And so he explains it to them again, right? They were looking at him like, well, can you explain it to me like I'm a kindergartner now? You know, so Jesus breaks it down even further. He, he comes before them and he, he tells them that he's not just the shepherd, but he's also the door. He's, he's not just the one that leads, but he's also the way. That the way to the Father is through who? It's Jesus, right? And so he's, he's declaring this to these people that as the door, he's the only way into the fold. And that's an important thing for us to know today because there's a lot of religions in the world. Have you noticed? For that matter, there's a lot of different kinds of churches in the world today. Have you noticed? There's a church on every corner. And, and honestly, probably most of them are Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching churches, but some of them are not. You can turn on the television, and there's all kinds of preachers on there. Some of them are advancing and proclaiming the gospel. Some of them are not. So as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to be careful today about what we listen to, about what we read, about where we go. Because there's not, always, there's not always good shepherds out there that are wanting to give you the truth. And if they're, if they're trying to get you there through anything but Jesus, then they're missing the points. Because Jesus is that door. He's the only way into the fold. He's that shepherd that he, he contrasts himself with the false religious crowd as well. You, you had these religious people who were there and they were, you know, they, were, they, were, they had a way. They had a plan. They had ideas, they had narratives, but it didn't line up with Jesus' narrative. Today, we have to be a people who lay down our own narrative, our own needs, and we say, Jesus, we're just gonna follow you. Whatever that means. Jesus, we're gonna follow you today, because why? Well, for one, you're the shepherd. <laughs> I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but a, a sheep that is out and doing his own thing is probably not the shepherd's best friend. 
by and large, most sheep just kind of follow the shepherd. I, I spent a good deal of time in, on the Southwest and um, I'm pretty sure there's no shepherds in here today, but uh, I, I preached this before on the reservation and there are actually people out there who are shepherds by trade. And not just shepherds, they own sheep and they you know, put them in a pasture, but I mean, they literally go out and camp out with these sheep at nights. There was a, a couple of uh, elderly women, that, that's what they did for a living. Those women lived out in the desert at night watching their sheep. And in the summertime, they would take these sheep up into the mountains where it was cooler. And in the wintertime, they would bring them down to where they could care for them more easily. And these, these shepherds, one thing you could always know about these shepherds is they always had sheep following them. And those, those shepherds out there, they took care of their sheep. So what I want you to think about, I don't want you to think about a shepherd just as someone who owns sheep. Uh, you may be a cattleman today and you've got cows out in the pasture. You know, I don't know too many cattlemen that sleep with their cows at night. It may be a, a warm situation, but most of us don't. You know, I mean, it, our, our uh, agricultural techniques in, in America in particular, we, we kind of have a pasture with cows out there and you go out there and you, you know, you, you give them some hay, right? You make sure they have water. Every now and then you might uh, you go and give them some medication. You warm them, you do that kind of stuff to them. You take care of them. But the picture of a shepherd here is not someone who's there and then leaves, but a picture of a shepherd is someone who never leaves his sheep. He's always with them. I don't know if you guys realize this today or not, but Jesus is, is with us today. I mean, literally, Emmanuel means what? God with us, right? Jesus is with you and I today. And as the shepherd, he contrasts himself with these, these false religions of the world. He thinks only of the sheep and he's willing to give his life for the sheep. And I know that this is, this is our Sunday morning crowd. And if I were to say, did Jesus lay down his life for us? Most of us in this place would say, amen, brother. Jesus laid his life down for me. And that's great. It's a good knowledge to have, but as his sheep, as the ones that he laid his life down for, don't you think we need to follow like we should? We need to be that crowd that, that completely follows Jesus. Why? Because he is that true shepherd. And if you look there in verse three, our first point this morning I want us to look at is that the true shepherd knows his sheep and he calls them by name. The true shepherd knows his sheep and he calls them by name. Verse three, he says, he says to him, the gatekeeper opens, all right, this true shepherd, that the guy that's holding the gate open and closed, he opens the gate because why? He's the true shepherd, amen? But he enters by that gate and to him, the gatekeeper opens this. The sheep hears his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, how many of y'all feel pretty, uh, pretty popular in this world today? Anybody here walk a red carpet this week or win a major election or, you know, won the CMA awards or anything like that? Anybody here ran into a, up on the stage and slapped somebody? Anybody here done that lately? Right? Most of us are not by trade famous people, are we? Not by the world's standards, but, but church, what I want you to understand today is that Jesus knows your name. He knows who you are today. Whatever you're dealing with in this life, if you've got, if you, if you have problems, if, if you have medical issues, if you have, if you have to sit in line and wait for tacos that are non-existent, whatever it is that you're there for today, Jesus understands your situation. And that's a wonderful point, isn't it? That Jesus knows what Daniel's going through. Jesus knows what you're going through. But let's go a little bit deeper. He doesn't just know us, but he calls us. How beautiful is that? 
You know, I've never had a president call me. I've never had Garth Brooks call me. I remember years ago, I was, um, uh, Joni, we went to a concert in Tulsa. And, and back when I was a kid, like the best band in the world was this band called DC Talk. Love these guys. Man, you know, and, and, and I just, I followed them. I, I loved them. I went to every time they were around concerts. When I was in Arizona, like we traveled all the way to Phoenix, hours away to see DC Talk in concert. But there was a, one of my favorite singers in the group, and I know there's a lot of stuff going on in his life right now, but, but he was in Tulsa. His name's Kevin Max, and I went to this because I love Kevin Max, for one. When I was younger, people called me D-Max because I kind of look like him, you know, because I'm so good looking and everything, right? So um, they called me D-Max, and so I, you know, I kind of just, it was, a, it was like a dream come true for me to go see him in concert in Tulsa. And um, after the concert, we're kind of like, oh, that was, that was a really good show, you know? It's a really awesome show. And so we're kind of walking around the, the maybe center in Tulsa, walking around the little outside area there. And who, from here to the back, I see somebody walking my direction. It's Kevin Max. <laughs> and the guy, as we're walking, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Do I, you know, do I curtsy, you know, do a curtsy or like, I don't know. Like, this is like, you know, Christian music. This is like royalty, right? In my mind anyways. And, 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 Kevin Max just comes up and shakes my hands and thanks us for coming to his show. A couple years later, I got to see a, a worship leader by the name of, uh, well, you may know him as David Crowder. I don't know if you've ever met him before, but, but I, I went to a book signing of his and, and I walk up to the, David Crowder. He's sitting there signing books at this table and I, I went and bought his book. I'd already bought it and read it because I'm a nerd like that. But I went and bought another one and I go up to him and to have him sign this book for me. And like, I'm just kind of flabbergasted. I, I'm ashamed to say this. But I go up to this, this, this amazing worship leader and I hand him the book to sign it. And he looks at my shirt and it, it's, a, it's like an American Eagle shirt, you know. And he looks at it, he's like, man, that's a cool shirt. I have the same one. <laughs> And me and my, my wonderful oratory skills, I go, I couldn't even say anything. Like, like Joni just kind of pats me on the chest and she's like, we're really big fans. You know, I mean, that's like all we could say to David Crowder. My probably one chance this side of heaven to meet David Crowder. I just, I lost it. But church, in verse three, we see where Jesus, the true shepherd, not only knows who we are, but he calls us by name. He knows who we are. I spent some time uh, when I was a younger man right out of high school. I worked for uh, Mardell. And one of my jobs at Mardell was I got to hang out with these big bands. Again, I've got a music theme today, I know. But uh, I, I did a, a, a video show for a couple years in, in uh, Norman. And it was called Sold Out Videos. I know everybody here used to tune in and watch Sold Out Videos every day in the, you know, the Oklahoma, Central Oklahoma area. But I was a, I was a VJ, so I, I would go and interview these bands, and they would video it, and then they would play it. And, you know, it was just a really cool ministry for me to be a part of in my early 20s there. And uh, they had me go to this little Christian club, whatever that means, in northwest Oklahoma City. And they said, there's this band coming through, and you need to, you know, you need to go and interview them. And I was like, okay, whatever. And Because sometimes we interview bands that were just terrible. You know, I'm just like, I don't know who these guys are. They think they're big shots, but I don't care. I'm Daniel Henson. I'm the host of Sold Out Videos, right? I really probably had that attitude. But I go to interview this, this band, and they had this weird name. It's kind of Christian and kind of had a cool sound, but their name was Third Day. And I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Third Day. 
But I walk into this club and there's like these tall like Georgia boys in there and they're like, hi y'all, how you doing? You know, and so we go in and talk to these boys from, from Georgia and I interview them and it's really cool. Then they do their concert and I'm like, whoa, these guys are legit, you know? A couple years later, they come back through and now they're big time, you know? They're big time third day now. And they come through and they come do like a, an autograph signing at Mordell. And so I'm kind of in charge of that situation. And so I get to hang out with third day. I literally took Mac Powell to the guitar store down the road so he could get picks. You know, I mean, I got to hang out with these folks. Like fast forward a couple of years, I'm a youth pastor in Arizona. And we go to see third day and newsboys in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we're sitting in the crowd sitting in the crowd and I've got my youth group here and I'm kind of on the edge because, you know, I'm a shepherd and I'm keeping these sheep in line, right? And so I have these, these sheep here over here and the third day gets up there and they just rock out. I mean, it's just a glorifying experience. They, they, they're just pointing towards Jesus, preaching the gospel. They had a worship set and all of this. It was just wonderful. And they didn't go backstage, but Mac and his people come down right past Daniel Henson. And Mac looks over and says, Daniel Henson, you know, and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like doing this thing, you know, and I look over at my, all my youth groups like, whoa, he knows your name. He knows your name. That's just Mac Powell, right? What we need to understand today is that Jesus, the true good shepherd knows our name. Let the church say amen to that glory in that live in that. He, he knows each and every one of us. And the cool thing about us is we recognize Jesus too. My brother-in-law, he, a few years back, he got to go to the Holy Land and he said they went to, uh, to one of the gates. I think it's the South Gate in Jerusalem. I, I'm not for sure. I mean, but he went to Jerusalem and that was actually the gate that Jesus probably came in on on several occasions. And Jerusalem's been destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed and all this kind of stuff. But those steps are still the original steps to that gate. And he says it was so just awe-inspiring to think that Jesus actually stepped on these steps, that he probably taught people on these steps. Jesus is real. Jesus loves his people. Jesus knows us by name. I don't, I don't want us to forget that point, right? We, we think, well, you know, we go to a good church and we're part of a good, like, denomination. Like, you know, we have good Bible studies. We, we, we read our Bibles. We, you know, we have all this good Christian stuff in America today. But let us not forget that the true shepherd, the good shepherd, not only knows us, but he calls us by name. And I think that's the point we need to look at today. Are we listening? Are we listening to his voice today? Are we listening when he calls us to, you know, maybe get up and sing? There may be people in this auditorium that think, you know what? I'm very musical and I like to sing, but you're not up here with the part of the worship team. What I love about what Jesse's doing, it's not all about Jesse. It's a team. All these people coming together. There may be some of you here today that God has called you into music ministry to be a part of this ministry and you just haven't answered the call yet. Are you listening to what Jesus is saying? A little later today, we're going to have a, a luncheon for Vacation Bible School. And you know what? There's a call today for God's people to show up and to make sure that the, the kids, the people, everybody involved in McLeod have the opportunity to hear the gospel through Vacation Bible School this year. And I have no doubt that the Lord is calling people in this very room to be there. Are we listening? Because the thing is, if Jesus is calling us, why wouldn't we answer? You know, whoever your favorite celebrity is, if you look down at your phone one day, you know, Kevin Max is calling me. You think I'm going to answer that? Probably, right? 
I looked down at that. I was going to say a president, but I don't want to get all political today because, you know, not this president, but the last president. Or maybe I would answer this president's call. But I think probably by and large, most of us, if a president called us, we'd be like, well, that's kind of, you know, you would answer just so you could brag about it later. Yeah, the president called me. Even though I don't like him or I do care for him or whatever. But if Jesus is calling his church today, why don't we answer that call? A lot of us are just turning a deaf ear to it. The true shepherd knows his sheep and he calls them by name. The second point I would say this morning is that the true shepherd loves his sheep. That's it. He loves us. How many of us know that truth today? Right? But let us, again, let's think about that. He doesn't just know us. He doesn't just call us by name, but he loves us. And the stories I told you before, those celebrities that I, that I talk about, and by the way, they're all just men who love Jesus, you know? But the thing is, is, as we're here in this place today, I want you to understand that Jesus not only calls us by name, but he loves us. He loves you. Think about that for a moment. I mean, you know, I, I've, never, I, I've never understood how we so often forget that point. If, if there's one characteristic that we must come to realize in our lives as believers, it's the fact that Jesus loves us. And it's deeper than just, oh, he loves us, he cares for us. He's not the clockmaker God that kind of wound up the world and let it go and he loved us in that way. No, he loves us in the fact that he's here with us right now. He's with us in our hard times. He's with us in the good times. He's, he's with us at all times. Jesus loves us in that way. And he doesn't just love us to say, I love you, but he actually went to the cross at Calvary because he loved us. So that we might have salvation. We might have forgiveness of our sin. And so we don't need to just stop at this soft idea of love, of a Savior who loves us, says he loves us, and that's about it. But rather, he shows his love for us that while we were sinners, he died. If you really think about that, Jesus died for you before you even sinned. Just for a moment this morning, think of the worst sin you've ever committed. And that's, that's kind of scary to think about, right? I think back, you know, my worst sin I've ever committed. Man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Jesus went to the cross to forgive me of that terrible thing. There's an intense love from the Savior today. And, and we, we must be a people who don't just stop there to understand that, you know, he's, he's, not, just a, he's not just a God who says he loves us, but he, he, he loves us in such a way that he died for us. He loves you today. Maybe today you came to church burdened with sin in your life. You're carrying those baggages of sin around and it's heavy. And guys, I've been there before. You had sin and you just kind of hold on to it. You just carry it around with you. And you, you go to church and you think, man, today I'm going to lay it down. But then you don't answer that call. You don't really say, Jesus, take this from me. You just, you, you hold on to those, those baggages. And then what do you do? You leave with them. You go through another week, just tired, carrying the baggage and the weight of sin. But I want to tell you today that Jesus is a, is, a, is a God who loves you deeply. Dane Ortland, in this book I've been reading, it's called Gentle and Lowly. And it's about how Jesus really does love us. Dane Ortland says, consider what all this means. And he's just come out of the book of Romans where he's talking about this idea of, of how Jesus died for us. He says, consider what all this means. When we sin, we are encouraged to bring our mess to Jesus. Everybody say amen to that. You're encouraged to bring this mess to Jesus, right? Why? Because he will know just how to receive us. And the thing is, is he doesn't handle us roughly. He wants to fix it up. 
You parents know what that's like. You've had a kid who messed up before. You had a kid who, you know, maybe just got out of the bathtub and then they go and they make a complete mess of themselves. <laughs> it happens, right? And you look down and your love as a parent and what do you do for that kid? You clean them up. And Jesus does that for you and I today. He, he wants to be that one who's cleaning his house. He, he wants to be that one, honestly, because he's the only one that can do it. You, you can try to live a righteous life, but it's just not going to happen apart from Christ. You can try to appear clean, even though the inside's dirty, but it won't be clean until Jesus gets a hold of you. Dan goes on, he says, he doesn't scowl or scold. He doesn't lash out the, the way many of our parents did, <laughs> right? You ever lashed out at your kids? I do. I have. It's not very productive. Sometimes it is. Sometimes lashing out's really good, isn't it? It sets you straight. But we don't lash out like we probably should. We don't need to do that. And the thing is, Jesus doesn't lash out at us. I mean, think about it. How many of us in here were ever struck dead because of a sin we did? You're all still here. You're all still here. In his grace, he allows us to continue to live, but he also calls us to repentance and to be clean. All of this restraint on the part of Jesus is not because he has some deluded view of our sinfulness, but rather that he has a love for us and he wants to see us cleaned up. He just wants to see us cleaned up. Church today, have you really thought about what it means that Jesus loves you? Let's get past, let's get past, um, you know, Sunday school. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. There's a deep message there, but a lot of us, we stop at that point. Well, Jesus loves me, why? Well, because the Bible says so. No, it's deeper than that. Jesus loves us because he's changed us. He's cleaned us up. He knows us by name. He calls us by name. Jesus loves us. And that's only Available through Jesus, the true shepherd. The last point I would say this morning is that the true shepherd owns his sheep. Now, I know probably most of us don't really like that. Well, nobody owns me, Daniel. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. Nobody owns me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, Jesus owns you. Now, I know that may sound terrible to you, but here's what I want you to understand. If Jesus owns us, that means he cares for us. How many of y'all change the oil in your vehicles? Right? Your tires go flat. What do you do? Drive around with a flat tire? No. You fix the tire. Well, some of you might, but you shouldn't. It's not really good car care to drive around with a flat tire. Jesus owns us. And by that, I mean, he also takes care of us. Because he owns us, because he is the good shepherd or the true shepherd, he owns his sheep. First Corinthians chapter six, if you, you can mark this for later, but first Corinthians chapter six, when you're reading through there, the writer there, he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Daniel, I'm my own person. I do what I want to do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not biblical. You do you is not biblical. And the reason is not because it sounds holy to say that. The reason is because we are not our own. We are Christ. We are Christ. We belong to him. He goes on there, he says, you are not your own. Oh, well, there it is. That's pretty clear, right? The scriptures teach us that you are not your own for you were bought with a price. God in your body. 
Do you, do you understand that God loves us in that way? And so him owning us, I don't want you to think it's like he controls us, which he does, but it's not like, I mean, when, when he rejuvenates us, when he, he makes us new in him, we want to follow him. Our will, what we talked about last week, the will of God, we want whatever to happen in us to be the will of God. And so we will follow him no matter the costs. And a lot of people in America today, we have this picture that, well, if you come to Jesus, then all your wildest dreams will come true. You have the perfect home and the perfect car. You know, you'll never have to deal with sickness or death. How many believers in here today in the last several years have dealt with sickness and death? Right? You got a lot of preachers out there today, they'll teach you, well, if you follow Jesus, all that goes away. It's not true. What happens is that when we go to Jesus, we have eternal life. We're still stuck in this world that's imperfect and broken, but our Savior is perfect and can get us through anything. That's a beautiful thought. That's a beautiful thought that he, he loves us. He knows us. He calls us by name and he owns us. In other words, he's going to take care of us. Jesus will take care of us. You think God will continue to sustain this church in McLeod, Oklahoma? You know what? He will sustain this church with or without Daniel Henson. He will, and don't get offended, he will sustain this church with or without you. But if he is our shepherd and he has called us, and we understand that he loves us, and we understand that he owns us, then we need to follow him even more closely. Our church will continue to grow. We will continue to see God-glorifying things happen here when the body follows Jesus like we should. Understand, you're not the boss here, right? I've had to tell Jaron that a few times this week. <laughs> you're not the boss, you know? <laughs> I'm the boss, you know? You're not the boss. Church, we're not the boss here. I may have a role within the church as pastor, but I'm not the boss. Christ owns us. And if we follow him today with that mindset that he's the one, he's the good shepherd. He's not a bad shepherd that owns us, right? He's a good shepherd that owns us. And if he's a good shepherd, then that's a good place to be. I love it. I love it. I'm not, I'm not stuck to live a life of, well, I don't ever know what's going to happen. Well, we may not know exactly what's going to happen in life, but what we can know is that his plan for us is not to harm us. His plan for us is to, is to help us to continue. And honestly, he's given us this thing called eternal life. Church today, are you listening to Jesus? Do you listen to him? How do we listen to Christ? Well, there's, there's several ways we can listen to Christ. I got in a pretty deep discussion at a family function yesterday with a Got a lot of minister people in that family, and we're talking about, you know, hearing the voice of God. Like, what does that mean? Is it a, is it a physical voice? Is it just a knowing? Is it uh, someone speaking to you? And the answer is yes. Like, God speaks to us in a lot of ways. But the problem is, and I believe this is true because I've experienced this, the problem a lot of times is when I, I need to hear from Jesus, I just don't want to hear it. I'm not submitting myself to Christ. I'm not living in the truth that he owns me, that I'm not my own, that I'm his. I don't live in the truth that he loves me. I don't live in the truth that he knows me and he calls me by name. That in this moment, you guys realize that Jesus is thinking about you. The scriptures teach us that he is at the Father's right hand and he's interceding for us today. Jesus knows you and he's talking about you to the Father. That encourages me as a 
person in ministry, but it encourages me also as a person who just follows Jesus. I don't know if a lot of y'all realize this not, but pastors aren't just pastors. Pastors are believers who have to follow Jesus personally too, right? This is something I, I don't just like, well, I'm a pastor now, so I don't have to do things that you have to do. Some preachers are like that. They think, well, I'm a preacher. I don't have to do that. All I'm supposed to do is preach. I'm still just a follower of Jesus. Last time I checked, I'm not the one that knows everyone by name. I'm not the one that died and loved you guys. I'm not the one who who owns you. I don't like it when preachers say, well, my church. It's not your church. We may slip up and say that, well, my church. I, I get it. But some preachers have this idea that this is their church. I knew a a couple in ministry a few years ago, they, they were starting a church and they, they pretty much said, you know what? If people don't like what I'm preaching or what I'm doing within the church, they can leave because this church belongs to me, quote unquote, what I was told. Wow, you know, this church belongs to you. Well, then it's not a church of, of God. It's not a Christian church. Because what we understand, is that Jesus owns us. This church is for the glory of God. Let the church say amen. This is what this is all about. It's not about Daniel's glory. It's not about your glory. But it's about bringing glory to the good shepherd. So there's a call for us today. There's a call for you and I. A beautiful call. I remember when I was, I first heard the call of the Lord. I, I was five years old. I've told this story before, but you know, I was five years old, and I just, I just really felt that God was calling me towards ministry. You know, my dad laughed about it and said, well, you'll never be rich. And then about two years later, he accepted the call to ministry. Joke's on my dad, right? And, and all this, you know, I experienced as a kid, but then when I, I became of age to, you know, to follow with the call that was in my life. I was, I was old when I came to the, to the Lord in that way. I was 15, almost 16. But when I accepted that call to pastor, to preach, to, to be in the ministry, when I accepted that call, like I've never looked back on it and said, that was a bad decision. And I, maybe at times I would have had a reason to say that. Because sometimes people in church are mean, aren't they? You ever experienced that? I remember, I remember people telling me, well, you're young. You don't need to be getting up and preaching. Well, then what do I need to do? Just sit there? No. People try to come against me in the past and, you know, well, are you qualified? Are you not qualified? You know who, what qualifies me is Jesus Christ himself. I'm not called to be a, you know, a pleaser of men anyways. I'm called to, to lay the gospel out before people so they can see it and hear it and be changed. And honestly, that's every believer in the church. I believe that. My, my call was such a sweet call. Like, I look back on that time in my life, and I think, what a beauty that was, that the Lord chose to call me. And I believe everybody here has a call, a, a call of assurance from God today, but a lot of times we just don't want to hear it. We're too busy. We're, we're just, we're kind of wanting to do whatever we want to do. But the call of Jesus today is for all people. Romans 8, when you're reading through there, Romans 8, 31 the writer there, he says, what then shall we say to these things? Talking about all of this stuff that, that we deal with. All these hard times in life. Romans 8, 30, 8, 31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? 
That harkens back to this, this reading in John today. Who's Jesus? Good shepherd. He knows us. He calls us. He loves us. He owns us. This is who Jesus is. Not just a political figure. Not just someone that we know from history. But he is the God that loves us. And if he's for us, which he is, amen. If he's for us, then who could be against us, right? You, you ever liked a team? I, I remember a few years back, like the Thunder were good at basketball. You guys remember those days, right? Like I was proud to be a Thunder fan. I was the guy that had the little flags on my car that said Thunder, you know, or something like that going down the road. We were proud of that team because like they were kind of undefeatable in a lot of ways, right? Except for stinking Kobe. My memories on Facebook this week, we, we actually were at the game where Kobe hit the, the game-winning three the first time they went to the playoffs. The Thunder went to the playoffs. And we were thinking, the Thunder's going to win this. They're going to win this. And then right there at the last second, Kobe Bryant pops a three and it goes in and the Thunder are out of the playoffs. Oh. Jet was a little guy. He was asleep, but he woke up for that part. My, uh, my daughter, she was there. Joni had pictures of it and it was so dark in there where we were up so high because, you know, we were in the nosebleeds. But that's okay. We were there. But we loved watching the Thunder because it was just like, man, they're undefeatable. Church. Has God ever been defeated? We can argue eschatology and how the end times look all day long, but let us never forget the core message of Revelation. The core message of Revelation is that God wins. He, he wins. He, it's not a, well, he might win. No, God wins. And if God is for us, then guess what? Nothing can be against us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Can God sustain this church in McLeod, Oklahoma? Yes. Well, God, and I, and I experience it on a personal level. I, I never have a problem on what to preach on Sunday mornings. You guys are like, yeah, we've, we've noticed. <laughs> Cut it short, Pastor. It's not because of my study abilities. It's not because of something that's here. It's because the word of God is so rich. It's so rich. And he's able to give us everything that we need. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Amen who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, you guys ever had tribulation before? Still standing with Jesus today, aren't you? Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness. I don't know why they brought nakedness into this. That's kind of weird, but I guess that means poor, being poor, destitute. Danger, sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Church, let's draw this back to what we were talking about. Jesus is what? Everybody say it. The good, right? Here in Romans, we're reading, and this is actually a, you know, this is back to what the prophets were saying. That we are regarded as what? Sheep to be slaughtered. The world looks at the church today and they say, you're a bunch of sheep. You're a bunch of sheep, but Jesus is like, yep, they're my sheep and they're going to conquer because I am in them. 
Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The, may, the world may say, you're just a bunch of sheep. And you say, hey, man, I am. <laughs> bah, you know? I remember years ago, it wasn't too long ago, 20, into 2020. And I, I got off work and I had a mask on. So I don't want to get like all political here today, but I'm standing in Dollar General line. Had a long day, had a mask on. And there's a guy behind me. He was like anti-mask, I suppose, right? And like, I, I acted out of flesh here. I'll be honest with you guys. But he looked at me and he said, you sheep. While I'm standing in line as I had a mask on my face, right? I'm just like, you know what? I'm not like one way or the other. I'm wearing a mask because that's what they're saying to wear, right? There's a sign on the door. I'm just wearing a mask. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just here to buy toilet paper. That's it, you know? I mean, that's all I'm wanting to do today. I'm not here to have some kind of, you know, sociological debate about whether we should wear a mask or not, any biological debate, whether we should wear a mask or not. I'm not here for that today. And he looks at me and he says, you sheep. And I looked around. <laughs> this is no joke. I did this. Lord, Lord, help me, right? But I turned around and I looked at him and I said, bah. <laughs> the, this is no joke. This is in Purim, Oklahoma. So I probably really shouldn't have done that there because I know everybody in Purim. You sheep, bat. You know, I did that. Man, that's terrible, isn't it? I promise as you guys get to know me, I really lay out. If I mess up, I'll let you guys know about it. You guys are going to know everything I do is dumb. Tacos, cranberry sauce, everything. You're going to know all about it from me. I don't hold it back. But I looked at that guy and I said that and I, and I felt bad. Of course, everybody's laughing and he started laughing, honestly, you know. And I, I, know, I had an opportunity just to talk to him a little bit, but when it comes down, what we're talking about right now, if someone calls you a sheep, I think it's time that we bad like sheep. Maybe not as a smart aleck. <laughs> but if someone calls you a sheep, then what? You need to act like sheep. Sheep have a distinct smell, do they not? They leave little pellets everywhere. That's what sheep, that's what sheep do. It's just like they, it's just how they are. You, you can't hold a sheep and leave that place not smelling like a sheep. It's oily, you know. I showed sheep when I was a kid. I remember I, I had a very, very good like experience with that. I really learned how dumb sheep are. <laughs> but if we're the sheep of God, if we're his fold, which by the way, you know, he's talking to the Jews, but then he also said, I've got another fold, right? And I'm going to bring all of them to do what? To one? That Jesus is going to, his, his salvation was for all mankind. And if we're sheep, if we've, those three points, yeah, they're there just to help organize the scripture. When you're looking through those, do we, do we live that way? Knowing that he knows us, he calls us, he loves us, and that he owns us? If we really are the sheep, then I think, the world ought to know that we're a sheep. We're not CIA sheep, right? We're not undercover. In closing today, I read of, uh, there was a gathering in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it was last week, uh, Together for the Gospel. Great, great uh, time. I've never been to it, but I've, I've listened to sermons from there. A lot of the preachers are really good from there. A lot of Southern Baptist preachers are there. But uh, Together for the Gospel had this big conference. 14,000 men and women were there. And uh, one of the pastors said, I'm going to go around. I'm going to kind of do like a survey of all the coffee shops, restaurants, things of that nature, and ask, hey, what was your impression of all these Christians? Unfortunately, even at a Christian convention where they were prompting people to proclaim the gospel, 
the overriding thought of baristas and waitresses was that these are the rudest people they'd ever seen in their life. They were people who didn't tip well. They were people who left messes. And church, that hurts my heart. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, there ought to be a scent of the gospel wherever we go. People ought to, they ought to know. Church, I call you today to, to live in these truths, to, to understand who Jesus is. It's the whole reason we're going through the book of John in this manner. Right? You can preach a lot of different angles from the book of John, but honestly, in the book of John, we're, we're seeing that there's a definition as to who Jesus is. Today, are we following him like we should? The song we used to sing a lot, of, a lot of years ago is, Wherever he leads, I'll go. Church, I pray today that we say, You know what, Jesus? Wherever I go, I'll ask where I, I want it to be where you want me to go. I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you. That wherever you lead, that's where I'm going. And I pray that wherever we go as FBC McLeod or wherever we go as individual believers in this place today, I pray that wherever we go, that people cannot deny that God, God is in our lives. And in them, there will be a hunger to know Christ. Church, today, it's, it's time that we we bat up we become the the church of God that we become the sheep of God that we run from this place not just with a message in our heart but a message that we proclaim to the world would you pray with me Lord we love you and we thank you what a good and a gracious God that you are your words speak to our hearts and we have a clear definition as to who Jesus is so Lord today I pray that all people here today would know you Lord, that you would call believers to action. Lord, that you would call unbelievers to repentance. And today that you would be glorified in all of this. Lord, if there be any of us here today that have sin in our heart, may we, may we seek you, Lord, because we know that you will remove those sins as far as the east is from the west, that you may be glorified in us. Lord, today I pray that we are all believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Lord, we look to you for our salvation. Lord, this is done for you, for your glory today in your name.